I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> This is the second part of a conversation we have with our amazing guests, colleagues, therapists, and fellow amazing women with ADHD, Sarah and Kaylee. Thank you, Sarah and Kaylee, uh, for joining us. This is one of those that might you might benefit from going back and listening to the first part. And without further ado, here's our continuing conversation with Sarah and Kaylee. There's this whole piece around inattentive ADHD that doesn't get caught in schools, especially yes. for women. I, I'm not disagreeing yes. with you, but because- 100%, of, like, which is the whole other thing. Yes. There are some sexist structures. I'm 100%. Oh, crazy me saying it, right? And, and part of what those structures dictate is that women are supposed to be daydreamers. They're yes. supposed to be forgetful. It makes sense that you would get overwhelmed with complicated things. Like- can you? I hope you can hear the dripping. Like, like I'm a little misogyny. upset as I'm saying these stereotypes, yeah, right? Like, yeah. The misogyny that yeah. is embedded in this, right? But yeah. and 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 at the same time, when someone fits those norms and they're a woman or a woman, they are also fitting inattentive ADHD norm. That mm-hmm. that is impacting their ability to build self esteem, to build an identity. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I different? Why am I broken? Why am I deficient? No one can know I'm different because no one says I'm different. So I have to make sure that no one knows I have a tail or whatever it is that we think. Like, It's so true with the self-esteem piece. And just like you said, so many women with inattentive ADHD go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed as having anxiety. And instead, because there are a lot of overlapping uh, characteristics, but the issue with this too is women are socialized to, they have so much more pressure on them to be in charge of tasks that require high levels of organization and executive functioning and task switching, all of which are super hard um, for people with ADHD. And so we've made a lot of progress since the 1950s stereotypical housewife vibe, but not enough in that mm-hmm. I feel like so many, so many women, so many mothers have a ton of uh, organizational responsibilities, and it it feels like it's okay to be a man and and be messy or be disorganized, and then to get help from a secretary or someone to assist you. But I feel like there's so much masking and internalized shame for women who are yeah. disorganized or messy. Like you, you can't be a girl and be messy. That's at least the messaging that I got growing up. No, because then you're lazy, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I was labeled. I mean, I think, yeah, it's, there's a lot of lazy that I've heard in the year. Yes. I I have heard that too. 100%. 
And the thing, oh, like Kaylee, I mean, all of all of you are speaking the truth right now. And it's like, I feel like this layer of rage is slowly rising up into my heart area. And then I'm also like noticing <laughs> just, how, just how much I think there's also, it's so interesting, something, oh, I, I want to go 10 places. Okay, I'll pick one. The, like the anxiety piece, I think is so interesting. Like, and whether you're a mom or not, also let's just point out how much that role essentially redefines you as a woman versus the role of dad. Not to say again, what that means to each person personally, I'm not disputing. I just mean socially, that idea of if the dad, I know because I see this with Bobby, like if the dad stumbles into school late, doesn't know the pediatrician's name, is I mean, the joke on like, I think it's Jimmy Kimmel, I'll put in the show notes where it's dads are asked, like, when's your kid's birthday? What's the name of their doctor? What's their what's their soccer team called? Just basic stuff about their own kids. They're like, uh, and then they turn to the moms and the moms are like, bam, bam, bam. And I know that this is not true of all men at all. Um, but I just want to say that the bar is so much lower, right? So imagine you walk around with this very, very high bar all the time. You are... I will say for myself, I am piss poor at most of those things, Kaylee, you mentioned. I am hilarious at task switching. I am comical <laughs> at organization. And I am like barely passing grade at getting places roughly in the allotted time I'm supposed to get there. So, but the standards are so much higher. They People don't look at you as if, you know, oh, like you're, you know, you're just a human, maybe struggles with this. It's you're a bad, like you're not a good mom. You're, you're mm -hmm. not doing something right because that's your role as mom. Your role as mom is not just to keep them alive and fed and clothed and such. It's also to like keep the ticker tape running on every other single thing. And I think that this happens to women. Like there's also women who are, let's say single or not in, you know, marriages or partnerships, right? Like, the burden on a single woman is still so different than on a single man, you know? Like, so imagine you walk around like that all the time and then you suck at all those things. How would that not result in anxiety? Which side note, I'm just gonna double up. I'm doubling yeah. down on this one. Yeah. I have noticed that there is a huge, sometimes there's a big emotion that is missing that I notice a lot with women. It's just, you kind of start to notice it doesn't show up and that's the healthy sense of anger. Sarah, the thing you said about why are we wearing skirts, I, I think part of the reason I, I'm recognizing now that you as a friend and you as a colleague, I, I look up so much to you, is I don't know that I know. I know there are other women out there who do this. That I just think that we're so taught to never, we're supposed to be peacemakers. We're supposed to be, you know, like in a way the emotional you know, ooh, chill everybody out, keep everyone emotionally harmonious, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. force in the world, the receptive force, the nurturing <laughs> force. It does. And you're and I'm anxious and I'm not ever doing enough of any of it. And then like, but wait a minute, I never pause to just go. This sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm stepping off the soapbox. Isabel, but Isabel, I mean, oh gosh, everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because how could you not be anxious if from first grade, and I'm sure there was examples before, like Keely was sort of saying, right? But in first grade, you do something and you're told you're bad, basically, and you're going to be punished for doing it. 
how does that not create anxiety that like, oh, no, I am the problem. I should be doing this differently. I'm going to hide these things about myself because, you know, somehow I'm doing it wrong. Because um, I'm just like, wow. Um, you know, I'm hearing some of the protective factors in some of the hyperactive because I definitely didn't feel some of that. I mean, I always was like, wow, I don't get to have recess. This is stupid. Um, and I was punished in this other way. But all you know, but I wasn't anxious. And but there was a lot of anger, right? And so mine got to come out and yours went in, right? And that's where I don't think we talk enough about that is if we're internalizing anger, that is anxiety. If we get to externalize it and it's out, right? You also, you don't, you get to depersonalize. It's not me. I'm not the problem. Um, and so everything in my system is like, oh, I, I want both of you so badly to know it's not you you were set up for failure <laughs> like stop wait, setting wait, up you, people for failure can you say that again for everyone listening because it's not just the the people no. here like i know i'm like say, everyone say with adhd i'm like you're set up for failure like you're set up for failure and you know it's interesting i was sitting here thinking too when you were talking, Isabel, about, you know, meeting this friend and how connected that felt and also how you're not supposed to in some ways, right? Um, yesterday, or no, Tuesday, Haley and I had a Zoom call. And in, like, there was this, like, synchromonious, I don't, maybe that's not the right word. Is it synchromonious? I can't, is that a word? Is that right? It sounds like a beautiful word. Was it a yeah. moment of synchronicity? <laughs> so, thank you. Yes, this. We literally were sitting in front of each other on Zoom and we both stood up slightly to cross our legs to sit back down because neither of us enjoy it with, you know, sitting with our feet on the ground. <laughs> and, oh um, God, the reason this is, yeah. And we both were like laughed and we were, you know, it also felt really good. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to speak for Kaylee. I have been shamed my entire life for not sitting with my feet on the ground. It's like, can't you just sit with your feet on the ground? Right. Um, even the ways in which we talk about like, get grounded, put your feet on the ground. And I'm like, that's the opposite of what makes me feel grounded. And so I'm like, this is set up for failure, <laughs> right? Like, um, and, but I, I see that in my daughter where sometimes she has a hard time focusing. She has ADHD, right? At dinner, because she's, she's like, I have to sit here and like somehow attend. And I'm like, take away the chair. You can't sit still because you're set up for failure. Right, like take away the chair, take a bite, twirl in a circle, jump around, do what you need to do so that you can attend to the thing I'm asking you to attend to. And so, gosh, that would have been lovely um, to have growing up. Um, although I, I also heard, you know, my own parents' like voice come out of my mouth in different moments of like, "Can't you just sit and eat your food?" And then I realized, oh no, she can't. She cannot. And so I was like, actually, you can't. Let's take away the chair, right? Here's the mm -hmm. system that's setting you up for failure. And so, yeah, the systems are constantly setting us up for failure. There's a there's a piece of like what you're saying, Sarah, that is like I'm smiling so hard right now. And this is like such a sad and intense and serious conversation. It's like, why is this crazy person smiling? But <laughs> but it's like, but but I think like when you're authorized to fight, mm -hmm. things are different. Oh, hundred percent. And I think I think when you're when someone is hyper focused and when like when I'm feeling really hyperactive, I get really focused on 
getting something done. I don't care how it gets done. Yeah. Oh, the chair's in the way? Get rid of the chair. Oh, you're going to only eat with a straw? We'll find liquid foods. Like, like immediately, like we're going to, like whatever it is, but it's like, I, it's not about how. And like one thought is like, I think a lot of rules apply to women on how to do things mm -hmm. that don't apply to men, like mm -hmm. the hows. Mm -hmm. And, and then like, yeah, Isabel, what you were saying earlier, like, it's like, you're basically saying like, everything's on fire. I'm hot. But like, <laughs> like, but instead of fire, I'm hot. It's like, we should be anxious. Like that's not anxiety. If there are actual threats everywhere. You're having healthy fear responses. Yeah. And like, let's talk about that. And then the world tends to articulate experiences that I'm noticing right now as we're talking. There's this guy, John Gottman, and he talks about like why marriages succeed and fail and like love them, hate them. There's really like amazing, like catchy titles that he has about things. And like, there are these four horsemen of the apocalypse and I'm not going to go down on a couple's road and like how these things work. Well, David, I'm going to just quickly offer it's the, it's the Gottman's it's him and his wife. Who did Thank all you. That work. Didn't mean, didn't. Okay. Done. The Gottman's and <laughs> women. What, a little what, on the nose. No, done. Well, I'm, 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 re I'm regurgitating learning that, that I edited out a woman right there. Right. Not intentional. And thank you. Right. That's like what, Eric what, Erickson. What, Everyone forgets his wife did like a ton of anyway. Here I am referencing Joan Erickson. For more on Eric Erickson and Joan Erickson, check out the show notes. But yeah, the history of psychology and lots of psychology theory is just ridden with female collaborators uh, being left out. How interesting, women being left out of history. Hmm, what a shocker. Anyway, <laughs> back to what we were saying. I'm going to stop. So what the Gottmans did and what she, what she talked about, we'll, we'll give it direct credit, credit to her here, is that there's a significant difference between a complaint and contempt. Mm. And complaints and contempt are not good, but contempt is worse. And there's a way to objectify the difference between complaint and contempt. And it's whether or not it's about a behavior or about character. Mm. And like on a very base level, this is really easily to understand when it's like, man, you didn't take out the garbage today. Like, boom, complaint. Versus, man, you never take out the garbage. Contempt. Mm -hmm. One is a characterological worldview. You never, right? And as we're talking about all these things, I'm, I'm hearing women, you like, immediately we're going to like lazy, contemptuous stuff. Mm -hmm. Not like hard to move today. Mm -hmm. I'm lazy. Or I should be organized. Like, I'm. Like, these are contemptuous things. They're not locked in behavior it's not like i'm not good at organizing blue folders on christmas it's like ripped through the world because of an expectation that is totally not fair and and like i can't be the the dude that like walks in here like don't worry women it's gonna be okay like i don't want to be that guy but i want to say like like to be messy like it's life's way too short it's just way too short to worry about things just go to the go to the outcomes Get rid of the chairs, Sarah. Get rid of the chairs and let kids play with manipulatives. Like if you're going to give them a teddy bear, let them play with a teddy bear. David is bringing up manipulatives. That refers to a story Kaylee shared with us um, that you can find in the first part of this conversation. Long story short, she was talking about how a teacher punished her for playing with these little uh, math manipulatives or little toy teddy bears. Yeah, totally not cool. I and agree. let them talk. If they finish an assignment faster, let them, why, like, uh, I, you Great. know, okay. Well, again, that anger piece that we discussed, I feel like 
women don't feel comfortable and are taught that anger is anger is bad. You can't express anger. And we pathologize anger, but you're so right that anger is, I've developed a different relationship with it now. I'm like, anger is a signal that something's wrong. There's a boundary that needs to be set. There's a need you have that hasn't been met. And so anger is self-protective. But you're right. When that when when we're not allowed to feel angry, it's almost you ignore your internal cues to protect yourself. And then it's very easy to just go along with the systemic factors that are wrong and aren't healthy. Well, and it gets stuck in your body. If you can't let anger out, it gets stuck in your body. Mm-hmm. All the things that we could be individually doing, we still have to then fit within the society that still exists, which still doesn't know enough about neurodivergence. And as much as like I can challenge these things on like for my own individual self or take away the chair at home, there are systems that aren't going to do that still, right? Um, there's workplaces that are not going to allow for um, people with ADHD and or women with ADHD to have the types of accommodations that actually would be helpful. Um, there's still a lot of judgment and stigma. And um, compliance is a big thing. Um, compliance comes with, I say this a lot um, to like everyone I know is, there is a lot of privilege that comes with compliance. I think it is compliance privilege. You get compliance privilege if you do the thing that everyone else is doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know anyone who doesn't want to fit in, right? Like fitting in feels really good. There's privileges that come with that. Um, otherwise, you get really isolated. So I got in trouble a lot and I was sort of seen as the entertainer. So there was a, there was a fitting in that was sort of different, right? Um, and or if I didn't comply and I didn't fit in, um, I just thought, oh, well, the system is busted or broken or somehow not. This isn't the right place for me. Um, but that is not a typical experience and you still don't fit in quite right. Because I wasn't the typical teenager. I never followed fashion trends. I still don't. I still wear clothes that I wore probably 15 years ago if they still fit. Because I'm like, why would I stop wearing this? No one else is wearing these things still, but I love it. I'm still going to wear it. I don't care what other people think. Which um, disconnected me with my peers, especially other girls who were fitting in the trends. And then... They, you know, if you interacted with me, it was like, oh, well, Sarah's going to come along, right? Like, I might not care that I didn't fit in, but the people around me did care that I didn't care, if that makes sense. Um, So there's a lot of, when I say systems, there's so many. There's family systems. There's educational systems. There's friend groups. Like, there's all these systems, um, and it gets really tricky. What I think is so important though, and tell me if I have this wrong, everyone, but that, that we talk about this stuff mm-hmm. and that we have women talk about this because Absolutely. we just, we just had a, an incredible conversation with Lederic, Um And one of the things that we were talking about was the importance of near mentors, near peer mentors, near, yeah. near peer mentors. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like people that are like you mm. can validate your experience a lot more. And it's like, whether we want to talk about it on a multicultural level or not, like it is about someone like 
you mm-hmm. that you can identify with. And I think all too often we are trained to hide the parts of us that that don't fit. Mm-hmm. And and I think that there's a, a tremendous amount of discomfort and pain that comes from modeling these things, having these mm-hmm. exact kind of conversations. And I think that in today's age, you know, it's incredible to think about, you know, Sarah, it's such a real thing that you said, like, I don't know that women had ADHD at a certain point in time in my life. Like, it's such an honor, like, such an important thing to own because, like, the entire world of ADHD has been propagated by a billboard of, like, a, a teenage white boy. Mm-hmm. It's it's not propagated in a complex way. And, it, like, the thing that I love is, like, if you've seen one person with ADHD, you've seen one person with ADHD. Mm-hmm. It, not everyone's the same but there are real specific differences around biology, around sex, mm-hmm. around gender that make real both dangerous situations, risky situations. It makes things harder. Mm-hmm. And I think that like there are a lot of people out there that are feeling like maybe they're just too vulnerable or mm-hmm. maybe they're feeling it too much or maybe they shouldn't be afraid or maybe they shouldn't be the one to take the chair away. I'm going to go right back to that because it's mm-hmm. kind of more what I meant. Like yeah. we have to model solutions mm-hmm. and safety. Stay tuned for more of this amazing conversation to come. And again, a huge thank you to Sarah and Kaylee for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.